Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business. The focus of this show is to bring to you some experienced authors who share their journey about writing their books and what it has meant to them in their business. And I brought with me on the show today, Evan Hackle, who provides some training on various aspects of leadership and management to the corporate world. Welcome, Evan. I appreciate having you on the show. Uh, Patricia, it's fantastic to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. I met Evan because of our mutual involvement in the C-Suite Radio Network, which is the platform hosting this show, the largest business podcast platform in the world. And I believe, Evan, you have a show as well. I do. It's called Training Unleash, and it's on the, sa- on the same network. Okay, Training Unleashed. And I'm looking forward to having you as a guest very shortly. It is wonderful to be able to exchange our areas of expertise. No doubt. I'd like you to to put yourself back to the moments in your business life when you decided that you wanted to write a book. And I'd I'd like to have you take us into that mind frame. What were you looking to accomplish when you decided you would write your first book? I'm probably going to share an insight that you probably don't hear from most people. But the the obvious is I was looking for something to create myself as an authority. I was looking for something that I could send to people, something that set me apart from everybody else who who is writing books. Um, But the motive that really got me going, (coughs) I'm really sorry about that. The motive that really got me going was my children. I wanted to share my thoughts on business with my kids. And that I thought by documenting in a book, and I thought for a while that I would just write something like for them, like a, like a diaryish kind of thing with business ideas and business tips. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to do that for them, why not create a book that creates authority that I can share and, you know, a book is an amazing thing because it's like a brochure in some regards. I have a great meeting with somebody. I follow up, handwritten note, copy of my book, send it off to them. And, you know, they, they, it makes a difference. Uh, I think people have a lot more respect. And, and, and I put a lot of work in my book. So I'm very proud of my book. I think my, I think my book stands up. It's not, you know, and, and I would say this to anybody thinking about writing a book. Write a good book. You know, if you're going to write a book, why not write a good book? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I took pains to make sure that, it, that this was a book that was easy to read, that made a difference, and, and wasn't the same old, same old that everyone else is sharing. So those were sort of my two motivations. And did your children read your book? You know, that's an excellent question. Um, my middle son read it twice, loved it, devoured it. My other two have not yet read it. And it's been out for at least three or four years now. Um, and I, I forced my oldest son is traveling across country to listen to my book because my book's also on audio. 
<laughs> and he did that for about two hours. And he said, Dad, I've had enough. I hear you. I hear you all the time. And, and uh, the funniest story is my mother. My father read the book just before he passed away. And that to me was like, just like a heartbreaking delight because he was a super excited. He read it in gallery form before it was finished. And he was just really proud of the book and really proud of me. My mother, on the other hand, just kept refusing and refusing and refusing and refusing to read the book. And she goes, well, what do you know about leadership? <laughs> I go, well, I ran a $5 billion company and had 30,000 employees. I started a lot of companies, and got some things. Well, you need research. And I go, well, uh, in addition to having a lot of Gallup research, which I think you've heard of them, I conducted a 24,000 person uh, piece of research specifically for the book. And then she goes, well, you got to know how to write. <laughs> and I go, well, I got you. you got me there because I'm very dyslexic. I said, but I got a lot of help and the writing's actually pretty good. So she finally reads the book and I get a voice message from my mom saying, Evan, I read the book. It's great. You must have had great parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> it is interesting to think about your family reading your book because I've written or edited 49 books, and I don't think that any of my books have been ones that my children have read. My husband looks at it dutifully whenever I have a new book, and I open up the carton, and he stands there for the requisite 60 seconds, and he praises me and admires it, and then goes on his way. For me, the take-home lesson has been don't expect your, your audience as your family to be particularly impressed. but I did dedicate one of my big um, two-volume textbooks to my mother. Now, that one got me a handwritten thank you note telling me she was proud of me for having written this book. That's so nice. That's so really... I, I think it's really your audience who's most helpful, most helped by your books. What well, was the subject of your first book, Evan? Well, my first book um, is called Engaging Leadership, with an I for involvement. Mm. So instead of an E, it's an I for involvement. It's sort of a higher level of engagement. And the, the premise of the book essentially is that when you involve people in decision-making and instead of speaking at or making decisions for them, everyone's part of the process, they have a sense of ownership and their willingness and their desire to take the book not the book, <laughs> to take the business and whatever you're trying to accomplish in the next level becomes much higher. So the book talks about that and then really gives concrete ways to measure engagement and to increase engagement throughout the entire organization. Um, and um, they have 21 sort of activities that people do during the reading of the book. Uh, so it's... Uh, it's a great book. It's not, it's very common for me for someone to read the book and then buy one for every employee in their organization. Very nice. Yeah. Because they, they see it and then it's the best way to say, Hey, we're going to make this shift by re by reading, by reading the book. Um, and we're talking about, you know, writing for business. Um, I've literally gone to meetings for my first meeting 
where someone has got my book and I see post-it notes on it, lines underlined, and they have read the book with amazing interest. Um, and Isn't that thrilling? Oh, yeah. that does, does the author so much good. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, and the other thing, and you know, I'm sure plenty of people have mentioned this, but it gives you also a lot of other content. You know, it, it springs keynotes, it springs articles, it can, you know, the content can be repurposed a million times. So the investment isn't just in the writing of the book, because you have an asset. I mean, the investment is the writing of the book, but the benefit isn't just the book. It, go, it, goes, be, it goes beyond that. So it's been, it's been very, very handy. And did you self-publish that first book? I, I, it's called Quasi-Publish. <laughs> but it's, okay. it's, it's self-published, and my second book was not. But um, I worked with a company that um, would, you know, get it placed in all the places, that would do some launch work and, and, and things of that nature. And I paid them a fee to, to do that. And then they, um, you know, for that fee, they did some marketing and things of that nature but then there was a rev share where they made money and they presented it as I was covering their costs. Um, whether or not I was or wasn't, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Uh, I want to say this, and I think it's important. I think it'd be almost impossible for an author to get anybody to publish their book without you either co-investing or investing entirely uh, today because no one, there's so many people writing books and the publishing industry is not like the healthiest industry in the world. And you can write a great book, but if you don't have a following or people that are going to want to read the book, they can't tell. Um, and, you know, there's sort of a chicken and the egg. When I started my first book, you know, I had maybe four or 500 people on LinkedIn. And of course, back then LinkedIn wasn't as popular as it is today. I had, you know, maybe 200 Twitter followers. I had maybe a thousand people on Facebook. And by promoting the book and doing things, I now have, you know, well over 10,000 Twitter followers. I have seven or 8,000 people on LinkedIn that I'm connected with, three or 4,000 people on Facebook. So my presence uh, is much bigger than it was mm -hmm. uh, before. And so that's attractive to a company. So, you know, the second book is much easier to get someone to actually uh, publish it out. Having said that, they published it. They didn't charge me anything. Uh, they did the editing. They did the book design. They did all of that. But I was responsible for the writing. And for me, that required me uh, hiring a person to help me write it because I'm very dyslexic. And I wanted the book to be really of high caliber. So I hired a really great writer. So I, I have a little, uh, a little skin in the game. And then I have a third book, um, which is a book for my, so I have several businesses. My consulting business is Engage Consulting. It's management consulting. I have a training company, which is Total Training. And so I did another book, totally self-published, but I published it on Amazon. And um, I had a person on my, on my team to do the graphic work on the cover and Amazon actually does the layout work and, and things of that mm -hmm. nature. But that book is not, a, I, 
say it's not a book. It's a good book. But basically what I did is I took all the articles I've written on training and had published and sort of rewrote them a little bit, made it flow a little bit, but it wasn't a big undertaking like a regular book. Um, I do think in training, uh, it's called Boost Your Training. It's one of the few books that really talk about how to get people to utilize training and how to get people to um, invest in training and understand the value of training. Because most books on training are on like a how to train as opposed to how to run the business of training. And this book is more mm -hmm. on about how to run the business. But it was, you know, a very easy book to do because I took pre-existing content, had it brought together, and I used Amazon's uh, self-publishing. Uh, I don't know if you've ever used that or not, but it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's not perfect. The book is not the most beautiful book ever, but it serves the purpose of what, what I was looking for for the book to do. I nodded my head too quickly. I've had a layout artist who I hired through Upwork put the manuscript from Word into InDesign, and then he saves it as a PDF, and then I upload it onto Kindle Direct Publishing. Yeah. Um, I have been told that their template is easy to use by somebody who just recently used it, but I have no firsthand experience. Well, I, I will tell you that. the person on my team that used it said it was the most terrifically difficult thing to use ever. That's <laughs> not a very good recommendation. Uh, having said that, having said that, I I think that if you once you get it, it's easy. It's I think it's like your learning curve is probably a difficult is a difficult thing. Um, yeah, and I, I find I have less patience with a learning curve as I get older, even though I recognize the learning curve is non-negotiable in some things. <laughs> yeah, well, Pat, this is why people need to engage you. Uh, now, because look, at, if you're going to write a book, and I found this to be true with my first book, and my second book just came out literally a week ago, came out on the 12th. Um, if you're going to write a book, and you're going to take the time to write a book, it takes a lot of time to do it right makes a difference. You know, if the book is your brochure, if your book, if your book doesn't look professional, if it doesn't read professionally, you have not accomplished the goal, right? Mm -hmm. So by partnering with you and helping people really understand how the flow, the, the book should be, the writing of the B, the editing of the bit, getting a great looking cover. I mean, these are critical things and, um, I, you know, I now I guess theoretically have written three books, but I'm not an expert. I mean, you're 49 books in, that's an expert. And, and I, you know, I think it makes sense to, to invest a little bit more to have your book right uh, and to be really proud of your book and, and to feel good about your book. Um, and that to me, that's what I love about my books is I, I, I really, you know, I, I feel like I've created something that will live past me. And uh, it will. Yeah. And it impacts people. And there are businesses being run on a lot of the principles that are in my books. So I'm not just affecting the people I can in my consulting practice, but I'm affecting thousands and thousands of people through my thoughts and ideas that I, that I shared. It's interesting you said that because I just got off a call with a man who hired me as a ghostwriter for his book. And we were talking about the value of sharing his experience. He 
rose to the level of bishop of a very large Protestant church. And in that process, had to deal with some very difficult situations, international issues, difficult personalities. And he's now moving into a leadership consulting position. And we talked about, just as you said, the value of sharing your ideas in a book, the the things that you have learned by working with people and working within a business environment that other people desperately need to know. And yet if it stays trapped inside your head, it doesn't do anybody any good. But what I find when I talk to people that are thinking about being authors is they don't think they, they don't recognize the knowledge they actually have. Mm. You know, they're very modest and, well, there are other people than this and that. And then when I start digging into what they do and what they know, they just, it, it's, you know, plentiful, the experience they have, the value that they have. And, you know, I think there's some modesty. I think there's some nervousness that people have uh, writing a book, but, um, the process of just thinking about writing the book, the process of what is it that matters to you? What is it you do that's different? What's, what is the statement that you want to make to this world? Just taking the time to think about it, it's inspiring. And, and I think most people, if they really get into the heart of what they've done in their lives and looked at what succeeded, looked at what's failed, there, there's, there's interesting and valuable material. Yeah, I've heard the term four levels of competence. How does that relate to the content that you have in your book? Well, I think what happens to people is when you're really effective and you've been doing it a long time, you're very competent, but you're not conscious of what makes you competent. So it takes some time to really sit back and think about what is it you do differently. And for me, one of the things that I did to help me is I asked people, I said, well, you know, I'm a manager, I'm a leader. What makes me a good manager? What makes me a good leader? What makes me a bad manager? And, and literally, because you be who you be, you sometimes don't recognize what you do, but other people do. So that was very insightful to help me build content. And the other thing I did is after I had my first draft of the book, I sent it out to about 40 friends and said, hey, would you please read this? And I would say 35 of the 40 did. And I got a lot of insight of, well, this was confusing and all that. But I also got, you know, Evan, you do this, this, and this, you forgot. <laughs> and, that, and that helped me also make the book better. Um, so the, the real point that I think we're getting to in this conversation is most people have a book in them. They just don't know they have a book in them because they're competent people, but they're not conscious of why they're competent. Mm. That's profound. I'm still struck with the fact that that you got feedback from 35 out of 40 people. So number one, those numbers are extremely good. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who has put himself or herself out there to that extent. And what a valuable process to get a consensus rather than, you know, like five people, but to get that much feedback from individuals to strengthen your book is incredible. Well, it's part of my philosophy of engagement. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, 
I asked for a favor. And I should be clear, I wrote a 200 page book, too. I, I didn't write, I didn't write a 500 page book. Um, but I, you know, I made it clear it was important to me, and that I would appreciate them doing me that favor. And, you know, I pride myself in giving, uh, what's that say, uh, paying forward and, and helping and supporting people. And, and, and I think you cultivate people that are appreciative of that and, and will and willing to be and willing to be supportive. Um, so I, I was blown away with the success. It was very natural for me to go for a big number and not a small number. Um, when I, I value feedback so much and one person saying something and then hearing it from five people is different. One person can be an anomaly. You hear it from five people. It's real. Um, so some people read it more in more depth. One person, and this is absolutely true story. One person read it and unbeknownst to me, she was a professional book editor. I had no idea. Um, I hadn't spoken to her. She was a family friend in a while, and she hadn't been a professional book editor in years. And she tore my book up left and right. And I had to go to my ghostwriter. And, you know, it's, it's normal to have an editor. I mean, it's very normal to have an editor. Even the ghostwriter, you know, isn't going to see everything. I mean, that's, I'm sure you, you would validate that. And, but, the value that she added to me uh, for what she did was great uh, because I think she had a willingness to be honest at a level most people wouldn't. And, you know, I was a little more, what's the word? Uh, I want to say professorial would be probably the right term rather than practical. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that I wasn't writing a textbook to be used in a class on leadership. I'm writing a book that's full of good information with stories that involve people to understand that information and how that information works in the real world. And there were times when I was really nitpicking stuff and she, she was amazing. And I sent her a really nice gift, <laughs> um, a really nice gift. Um, so and then I spent a lot of time with my ghostwriter calming him down. <laughs> he, he actually, he did not, he was not that way at all. He, he really was appreciative of the feedback. <laughs> uh, but he told me that he had never, ever worked with an editor that had given so much. <laughs> so but, uh, it made a better book. Well, that ask yielded a lot more results than you expected. It did. It did. And then you know, it also helps when you launch the book. You know, I, I sent all these people a copy of my book. I thank them for their help and, and their contribution. And, you know, then, you know, they go tell people about the book and, 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 th and things of that nature. And, you know, ultimately you write a book to be read. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a simple purpose. <laughs> and, you know, if, if you're going to write a book and then not use it, not promote it, not, you know, try to try to get people to read it. Um, you know, the, the publisher is not going to be happy. Um, and you're not going to have success. So, uh, and that's the other reason for people to work with you, Pat, is because I would say if anybody was like me, I had no idea how one is to promote a book. Mm -hmm. You know, no idea. And, 
having people to help guide you uh, into what to do and help get you on the right podcast, the articles to write, the people to write. Uh, I'm a professional speaker, so how to package books with speaking. You know, I things I've never done before. Um, it is so, a different world, for sure. Yeah. And what I find fascinating about your journey is that you were able to say, in order to create the strongest book that I can, I need to have some help. I run into a lot of people in my life, in different areas of my life, who have egos that would not permit them to do that. They would say, if I can't do it myself, I'm not interested in doing it, or whatever I produce is going to be so valuable and so wonderful that I don't need any comments or feedback, nor do I want it. And you yeah, obviously um, didn't fall into that way of thinking. No, but you know, understand my whole thing in life is about engagement. Mm. My whole thing is about how do you bring people in, not after you've made a decision, but before. How do you make you know the wisdom of a crowd? How do you you know, the best results, and you know, particularly in the area of companies, is when you have everyone involved. So you get the great ideas. You get the people that are dealing with it day to day. You know, I have a term: beware of high-level dumb. And those <laughs> people sound like that—very bright people, but they don't really know everything going on around them because they are so insulated from wanting feedback. But when you involve everybody, and then the company makes a decision. Even if not, I mean, obviously involve everybody, you're not in your decision going to satisfy everybody, right? Not, but everyone's going to feel heard. And then the support around that action. So it's, it's a core philosophy of, in, my, of, in my life. And um, it's, you know, it, it, it's who I be, I guess, is the simplest term. So it was very natural for me to um, want to get that amount of feedback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was consistent with the way that you work with other people and you were providing an example of your approach. Yeah. But, you, you know, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's not like someone said, Evan, send it to 40 people. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm, you know, who can I, who do I know that I know will read the book? Who do I know? I know that will read the book. And, uh-huh. and you know, I, I get, you know, I'm very fortunate. I know a lot of people. <laughs> so um, that helps. Do you have another book in you? You know, that's a very good question. Um, I may have another book in me. Um, I think that my next book, if I write one, is about innovation and ideation. Um, taking risk and, and differentiating. Um, but, you know, at the moment, I just am in the glow of having <laughs> published my last book. And as you know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so, so uh, um, I, uh, you know, there's, you know, one of the big buzzwords right now is mindset. And what I've been noticing with today's environment, with the coronavirus and things of that nature is that, you know, a lot of people are, you know, I like to say people are motivated either by fear or vision, right? If you have a strong vision, you know where you want to go, what you want to accomplish in life, that will overcome fear. 
But if you don't have a strong vision of where you go, then all you see in front of you is fear. Oh my God, stores are closed. Customers are canceling orders. Customers are this, that, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle my kids? How am I going to pay my bills? Because fear has overwhelmed you. But if you have a, a really powerful vision of where you want to go, that changes how you think. And I have been, and my book starts out about the importance of companies having vision. And one of my first exercises is to go around and ask every employee in a company, in your own words, what is a company vision to see if there's a alignment. So if you have powerful vision, you think not out of scarcity and fear, you think out of abundance. And, and to me, the people that are innovative in this time, uh, it so impressed me. And, you know, I can just, just share this example. There's a restaurant chain called Earl's. They're primarily in Canada. They're 18 in the U.S. And like three quarters of the restaurants by me are closed. Some are open for takeout. Earl's opens up. They're not just takeout. They're grocery. Uh, because the restaurant food chain doesn't have the shortages that the grocery stores do. So they got the toilet paper, they got the paper towels, they're selling eggs, they're selling milk, they're selling avocados, they're selling packages of food you can take home and make a meal. And they're doing a tremendous amount of business, not just in takeout food, but in grocery. And, and I just think, wow, that is like so innovative. And, you know, what a great way to augment your business in, in these tough times. Just before we spoke, I spoke to a, a, a person that runs summer camps, uh, which obviously are going to greatly impacted. Yes. So she started doing virtual camps. And she was talking to me because she's now going to license this idea out and the, and the camp activities out to other camps around the country. And when things a year from now or two years, whenever things get better, she'll have her regular camping business but you'll have a virtual camping business and a licensing business on top of a regular business. And those type of things really inspire me. Um, and I'm not sure how the book, maybe the book will be stories of other people's success. I, I'm not sure. So hmm. the answer is I likely do, but I choose not to think about it at the moment. You are entitled to have a honeymoon period, Evan. You, you. you have just birthed your baby and your baby needs to get some legs. Uh, when you talked about the woman who is licensing her camp idea, it reminded me of something that Jeffrey Hazlett, who's the head of C-Suite Radio said last week, I believe when we were talking, he said some businesses are having birthdays with all of the innovation and all of the new business that's coming in as a result of us shifting our work patterns. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about it. And I'm not saying what happened is good. And if I had a choice, it would never have happened. Um, but these are the opportunities for change. And to me, one of the things I want to see change in this world out, you know, this is not a business thing, this is just a personal thing, is civility, love, abundance, uh, respect for everybody, and to change the tone. And um, 
I was really hopeful at the beginning of this that this was going to be, a, be an opportunity for the country really to come together. Um, I'm not, unfortunately, not seeing it. Um, but I'm inspired to try to think about how to change that. And uh, that's, you know, not a work vision, but a personal vision and really can't get into it now, but I'm actually working on a pretty, pretty neat project to try to lead by example and change the narrative so that people are sharing stories of love and, and working together and caring and respect and, and things of that nature. Um, because I think our country desperately needs it. And I think there's more listening at times of change. And how can our listener get in touch with you or stay connected with you? What would be the best way for that to happen? So there's a website, evanhacklespeaks.com. And on that website, you have contact me, very easy to do. Tons of articles that I've written. Um, Information on how to buy my old book. <laughs> I got to get the new book on there. <laughs> That's not quite done yet. Um, and you can reach me easily on that website. My phone number's there. And I'm happy to talk to people. I have other businesses and, and such, but uh, you know, I think based on this conversation, the, the best thing to do is just go to Evan Hackle Speaks, E V A N H A C K E L Speaks.com. And I love hearing from people. That'd be a pleasure. That's fabulous. You know, what I have taken away from this, Evan, is that you have experimented with successfully three different models of putting your book together from the first one that was a quasi-published, as you called it, with somebody who was providing some back-end support. And then you worked with a traditional publisher for the second book. And then the third book was one that you put on Kindle Direct Publishing yourself, all related to that, the management and the training area. I would think with so many people who are working virtually now, it would be a great deal of interest in how you keep employees engaged, as you spelled it with an I. Our work patterns are different. And I was talking to somebody just this morning about how the fact that many people enjoy working at home and don't want to return to working in a building with other people. They want the, the freedom. They want the increased productivity and the flexibility that comes with being able to be part of the team, but not required to be within that same suite of offices. So I think the interest in your work is going to be heightened because of the changes in the workforce that we're going through. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I will say that I think the one change that's happened is the comfort with video technology. So I think the people that work alone, there's some people that their personalities love working alone. There's some people that just need to be around the energy of other people. But, uh, you know, I spent last week 37 hours on Zoom. Uh, so I got the feel like I was with other people a lot. Oh yeah, you were um, sure. But I was work, but I was working from home. Yes. Um, and there's, you know, my training company. You know, a lot of our customers are in deep trouble. Massage, you know, they're franchisers, but big in massage, haircuts, restaurants, 
all been, you know, really hurt. And we as a company have really worked hard to support them and provided them free training on prevention and, and, and things of that nature and are working with them. So when they ramp up that they're able to bring people on well, you know, in a, in, in a proper fashion, but, uh, you know, no doubt one of the big benefits for me is going to be more people believing in and using distance learning because mm-hmm. leader led training doesn't work well when no one's in the office. <laughs> so virtual led and online training, I think are going to become more and more important. So there is opportunity. There's opportunity every, 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 everywhere we look now and whenever there's opportunity, if we just open up our eyes. And on that inspiring note, (laughs) we'll wrap up today's show. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, sharing the process that you went through and putting your books together. You've shared with us some different models, some different ideas and ways of approaching getting feedback on your first draft, which I will carry with me. You can be sure the idea of bringing in as many people as possible, which not only helps to sharpen your writing, but also helps to build a base of people who have your book in their hands and want to tell other people about your book. So you've already, in that first draft, we're thinking ahead to the marketing of the book and how to keep people engaged as your book was being developed and then engaged when your book was ready. I think that's brilliant. Thank you very much. I thank the audience for listening and enjoyed talking to you very much and look forward to you being on my show, Training Unleashed, in a couple weeks. Sounds great. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.